Metal RPG episode 100. Bro, bro, Ben, bro. What's up? What dude, is up, everybody? Dude, bro, 100 episodes. Been a long fucking journey, man. Has it not, dude? Has it not? It feels like just yesterday that we were like sitting down in that little like cramped bedroom. It wasn't that cramped, but we can we can romanticize it and say it was cramped. Then that little that little bedroom, and we were like, I remember my hands were all sweaty when I would like hit record on the first episode, and I was like nervous and shit. <laughs> I remember feeling nervous before it was starting. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, what a long, strange trip it's been. Uh, we've got some high highs and some low lows, and we are now celebrating 100 episodes of Full Metal RPG. Nearly five years. Nearly five years. We're just we're just about at the end of what we back then called our five year mission. Am I right? You are 100 percent correct. Well, to uh, join us on this um, uh, August occasion, we've got some of the uh, people who have kind of been on the show, like a lot. We've got some very kind of like established guests. We've got uh, uh, Richard Newby. What up, Richard? How you doing? Not much, man. Just uh, d- just kind of like sitting here in in the uh, in the old dark cave with the headphones on, listening to uh, you guys. It just uh, it's it's always a pleasure. I've been listening for a long time, and uh, it has been a lot of fun over the years. So, dude, guys, the, the, this whole thing it just feels weird. It just feels weird. Just uh, how yeah, the whole thing. Anyway, uh, and we got uh, we got we got Ashley. What's up? How you been? Hi, I've been fantastic. A long-time listener, sometime guest. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been great listening to all hundred of your guys' episodes. It's been oh fantastic. Jesus, you did Wonderful. all hundred, did you? Please, <laughs> all of them. I went back and I binged it all because you know what else are you going to do in the middle of an apocalypse? My God, my <laughs> yeah. God. Well, I guess we should do a shout out, huh? We should do a shout out and be like, "Yo, to all of you." who have listened to every single episode. First of all, thank you. Second of all, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, what? I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I guess I've listened to every hundred episode. And it just seems, sometimes it just seems like nothing. And then sometimes it seems like a huge, a huge boulder. Um, 
Wow. So here we are. Here we are. It's September 2020, episode 100, Full Mill RPG. And so let's talk role playing, shall we? Let's, talk about let's do it. Right. Yeah, this is what we do here. It's what we do here, right? Uh, uh, I mean, it's COVID time. So anybody getting any games in lately? I got to say, I have not. I have not. I uh, I was playing some uh, Ruin and Conquest with uh, my homie Brinton and my homie Chris, my homie Matt, and uh, that game ended, and we are supposed to start Shadowrun this week, but uh, I'm actually taking this week off to play uh, a miniatures game. So, um, And we don't talk about miniatures games, so... Uh, <laughs> I got no, I got no role playing to uh, fucking report. How about you, Ben? Well, my last game was actually Ravenous. Uh, we're talking uh, pre-apocalypse. In fact, uh, since the apocalypse, I haven't actually uh, role played because I generally don't do it electronically. I much prefer to play my games in person. Yeah, I can hear that. I can hear that. There's something that's kind of lost by the you know digital experience. I mean, it's kind of kept things rolling for me, but I hear you, I hear you there. I, and it's just a, I don't know. I, I look forward to the the human contact and, you know, the the through the speaker and the screen just doesn't cut it for me. Yeah. I mean, I for, on one hand, I see what you're saying. On the other hand, like, for instance, I uh, met up with Richard a few weeks ago to get some books from him and do a book, a book exchange. And it was so weird because when we were talking, I was like trying to I, we were making these references to the last time we had seen each other. Right. And months, but we keep up so much electronically that it didn't feel like it felt like I had seen him like a week ago. It was very weird. It was very weird. I mean, uh, it's kind of like Star Trek, right? Like we're <laughs> talking on the view screen. Right? <laughs> I feel like maybe my my uh, my electronic presence just sort of is indicative of a much higher age than I actually am with my refusal to really be on most electronic mediums anytime. I don't know. You know what, you know what you are, dude, you're like one of those mage characters that has like some kind of flaw that makes it so you don't like appear on fucking computers unless you, uh, spend like a willpower point for the scene. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. I can see that. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely see that. So, uh, how about you, Richard? Man, you uh, doing role playing lately? What's up? I just completed uh, a um, two two uh, shot of Monster of the Week. So I ran uh, two shot. Shout, oh, shout out to Jared and Ducey. They uh, I had two players for my uh, two shot of uh, Monster of the Week, and we did a uh, did like a, a I chose one of the the the. Uh, modules out of the book uh was it damn dirty apes or something like that where there was like cybernetic apes running amok across this uh university and they were uh university students uh trying to figure out what the fuck was going on so i almost killed him a couple times so nice that's very kind of like buffy season three well yeah pretty much i mean they were uh one of them was playing a mage and the other one was playing a uh uh a minotaur. <laughs> so it was. Like, was the minotaur going to university or something? Yeah, the minotaur was a uh, a uh, uh, ceramics major. So <laughs> <laughs> something, something bull in a china shop. Yeah, I think that was yeah. uh, it. it uh, yeah. The uh, player has uh, a propensity uh, for that sort of uh, uh, punnery. <laughs> so nice. I appreciate that. Wow. 
Wow. All right. Great. Well, so uh, I guess I'm kind of interested in hearing your thoughts on uh, Monster of the Week, just kind of abbreviated, like uh, after we had kind of talked about it, what were your takeaways on it? Did it did it live up to expectations? Did it disappoint? How did you end up feeling? Um, I think that it, do- it doesn't... It does... If you want that kind of like fast uh, TV kind of... Um, monster fighting it does that pretty well but it doesn't do too much to support the mystery aspect of that sort of thing so you kind of have to like pretty much the mystery is solved within a first you know cup you know probably first half of a session which if you can squeeze you know one monster into a session that would be great but i couldn't quite get to the point where they understood the weakness and where they were at in one session. So, and of course these are abbreviated online sessions. So we only played for like, I think like two and a half, three hours. So, uh, so we did that a set. We, we played a, a second game and kind of, uh, rounded it out, but they had kind of a, a bit of a buddy cop vibe going on. So, uh, that was, that was kind of interesting. Uh, the, uh, the Minotaur was always like, well, use magic. And the, the mage is like that. No, that's complicated. And <laughs> So uh, would you run it again? Um, I would probably modify it with some sort of bond system. But I think mm. I, I like the idea of it. But I think that there needs to be more uh, inner character connection now with you if you have two players there's you just have to kind of go on the fly right because it it would have to be a many uh, multiple questions but if you have like the standard array of four or five i feel like they need to there needs to be that the other part of the genre is the interconnected uh opera soap opera style stuff like that all these kind of shows they're trying to emulate it was not doing that so there's no provisions for that at all in there. Interesting. So. Interesting. Fascinating. All right. More in depth on that later. I yeah. want to hear, I, I want to pick your brain on that. Sure. Ashley, what hey. have you been up to? Um, well, I have been role playing a functioning adult with my shit together and not cracking under the pressure every day. So that's been my role playing experience because I haven't gotten to game pretty much at all. Um, I did get to run the first session of uh, Tiny Supers. Nice. I forgot about it. All those oh, weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, the time stretched out. <laughs> I know. Again, everything's irrelevant. So, um, yeah, it was, it went, it went well. Um, I had fun with it. I hope you guys had fun with it too. But I ended up going in kind of a different direction than what I had thought it was going to go. Weird, I know. So I have to try and figure out how to kind of bring it back around to what I had planned for it. So, mm, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But cool. That's cool. It. Great. Well, um, in uh, celebration of our 100th episode, we decided to revive a very old uh, Full Metal RPG tradition, which is bitching about Dungeons and Dragons. So, <laughs> uh, I I I think that uh, this show was basically founded on bitching about Dungeons and Dragons. Like I can't. I, it's been a while since I listened to episode one, but I know that episode one is about my uh, long defunct Out of the Abyss campaign that just kind of fizzled out. I don't even really remember who was in it. I think Ben, you were in it. Austin and- was. 
Dustin was in it, young Dustin, and then like uh, uh, Alex was in it, I think, and then I think my uh, my girlfriend at the time was in it, but I don't know. I mean, I that was an okay game, right? That was an okay game. Uh, anyway, so but I do I, I do recall that the early um, the early episodes of Full Metal RPG were addressed like largely to dissecting uh, what at that point we didn't really understand was going to become like the game that was going to kind of you know define role-playing for an entire new generation of people. I guess we should have probably expected it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking back on it now, it's kind of silly to not expect that. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, because we're like old bastards, and we probably we were just like, oh, well, it's just another edition of Dungeons & Dragons, and it doesn't suck, right? I mean, that was kind of our big takeaway, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that it, like, it was, you know, moving away uh, a bit less... I want to say like uh, sort of like a mix going back older than like three five, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, certainly a large change from four which you know was sort of like ends up being sort of the most random edition of them all at this point. Right, right. And we had both played uh, just boatloads of three point five and four point and uh, we were kind of like, um, but we also had kind of nostalgic thoughts about. About second, and I almost I still I almost have those thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, that's an interesting question. So, all right, here we are. It's uh, 2020, and um, we've been like fucking hashing it out about role playing for fucking years and years now. So, um, what what are your feet? Do you still harbor feelings of nostalgia for second? Do you harbor feelings of nostalgia for third? Pathfinder, like, where does D and D even sit on your compass after like seriously half a half a decade of experimentation with different games and uh, concepts. Like back when we were doing those out of the abyss episodes, we didn't even know what powered by the apocalypse was. We had never heard of it. We were, we were like, let's do a fucking podcast about role playing and tell people how it is. And we had never even heard of powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. I think the first, my first foray into that was dungeon world with, uh, you know, trying it out at one of those convention type experiences and then uh, yes yes i remember that yeah and then uh, i bought the book myself and i think that was sort of my uh my, f- my first experience with that but i don't know i still think about it pretty pretty fondly and regularly um i uh i especially think about all the old settings and what i you know like to play in some of those settings still and the answer to that i think is still overwhelmingly yes i played second edition it was a slightly modified version in the last five years so uh second edition was my first edition so like i i have like still have fond memories of it like uh and you're right the the thing that i think still sticks out is the settings like uh i was i think i heard that they're gonna do dark sun next so yeah what is her fifth yes i Mm. mean yeah, but even if they do, like what they do for Eberron, they did like one book. They'll do like a book. That's what they yeah. did in fourth too. They'll be like one or two. I mean, in 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 fourth edition, Dark Sun actually got this uh, got two whole books. It got like a bestiary and a book. But like they're not going to actually do anything with it. As far as I'm, as far as I know, they're still basically just like fucking uh, endlessly detailing the goddamn Sword Coast in Forgotten Realms, right? Forever and ever. <laughs> I think that when I think back fondly on on second edition settings that I, I miss, I think that the first one that usually comes to mind is Dark Sun, but the second one that comes to mind inevitably is Planescape and how I wish uh, you know we could play Planescape 
Um, I've actually been, you know, still like every so often I quietly pick up a book here and there for Planescape uh, with the with the eventual intent of running it. So, oh, I when, know you're hunting that shit down. Yeah, when the uh, when the when it when it's when I feel more comfortable and we can run it in person, I think I'm gonna put that out there and just do it because I really really love that setting. But here's the thing, like like the setting is great and the the uh, experience, the tactile experience of picking up those old box sets and like leafing through them and like all the the colors that they use and the, just even the type of paper, like those experiences are all super great for that edition. But w- would you run it as AD&D 2? Or would you... Yeah, go- why not? Oh, God. For that terrible system, seriously? Seriously, be real. Okay, so part of me... I remember when I started doing this this project, part of me had started looking at a lot of the uh, OSR games that have been coming out that were sort of like D&D clones. And I got to admit that there is a certain portion of me that wants to run it as one of those. Um, but I don't, I don't think... Like, having played... AD&D also within the last five years, right? Um, I think that it would be fine. I think we could all have a blast doing it. I don't think it would be a big deal. I think I think it, it, the game would still be fun. Remember when we played Ravenloft, the Castle Ravenloft? Uh, Absolutely. The core, the core book, not 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 the not the dark, not the box set, just the actual module, right? Mm-hmm. And your character was like walking across that bridge, and you had to make that dex check, and you were like. And you threw it, and you made it, because you had like a really bad deck save. And you were yes. like, "You made it," and you go, "Oh, I made it." What would have happened if I would have not made it? And I said, "Your character would have died." <laughs> Remember that? And there's and there's tons of that shit in there. But but is that the worst thing in the world? You see, that's what I was saying at that time, and you were roasting the shit out of me. You were all like, <laughs> "You were all like, oh, that's pathetic. It doesn't add anything hey, to the story. It's just a huge hassle." The fucking pendulum swings. What can I say? Yeah, touche, touche, mon frere. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel you. I mean, my, my feelings on a lot of stuff have just kind of like changed, changed a lot in the last, last few years. And the, yeah. um, coming up on the anniversary of the show has kind of given me an opportunity to kind of dwell on some of that. But I'm already talking too much. How about, you, how about you, Ashley? So where are you at with D and D right now? What's, what are your feelings on it? Well, my main. My my main experience with it has been 5e, and I I like it. Um, I didn't start with D&D, unlike a lot of people. That's kind of where they started, was with D&D, because it's ubiquitous. It's out there. It's got the marketing and all of that. So um, I think that's the reason a lot of people start there. But I was fortunate enough to kind of get into some of the narrative gaming early on. Um, but I do like D&D. It has its place. It's got its purpose. Um I guess you could say I've played 3.5 because I play Pathfinder. Mm. So it's kind of the same thing, right? It's yeah. very similar. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's all the best stuff from 3.5 and mm-hmm. without any of the worst stuff. So, yeah. So I play, I play like play a lot of Pathfinder. So, um, yeah, I, I like it. it. It's definitely got more rolling. It's not as uh, geared towards narrative gaming, which is kind of my sweet spot, but um, it's definitely got its place. And if people are able to get into the hobby through D and D, then awesome, like more, more power to it. I, I am all about that. What do you think the future of you and D and D is though? I mean, how do you like, what's your relationship with it? Like, is it, uh, 
Is it an old friend that you love to see on a weekly basis, or is it kind of like a class reunion that you kind of will kind of grudgingly go to once every 10 years? <laughs> it's, it's an old friend for sure. Um, I don't, I don't dislike it. Uh, it's definitely one of those things where when I can get a group of friends together that do want to play D and D it's generally going to be five E cause that's what everyone's running. Um, it's it's fun and it's it's all about who's at your table in my opinion. Um, but I do, I do enjoy it and I do enjoy the time that I've been able to spend in the the system. So it's definitely an old friend kind of thing. Just not not one that I see very often. Fair, fair. Yeah. I, th- I feel like I'm cutting you off, Ben. What, what, what are you trying? What are you saying? No, no. I just want to say that I think that that's the that's the perfect way to see, it, especially coming back to any of these games. Right? It's it's like. Uh, the the people that you play with and like you know coming back to to that very worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think of, of all of them, the ones that I think back and and wouldn't touch again, really might be three five honestly. So. Whoa, <laughs> wow! 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 Why you you why three five was always my least favorite edition. I don't know what to say. Um, I don't remember it very fondly. I. Uh, I hated the long drawn out lame combats. Um, I don't know. I just I just felt it was sort of boring with all its minutia involved in the combat system and everything, you know, going I with thought that. You loved that shit. At the time it certainly seemed like you loved it. What can I say? The pendulum swings. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I, 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 maybe, maybe I've just changed as a person, but as I think back to all these things, I just it just doesn't sound fun. You know, I think I've been sort of resistant to playing Pathfinder when it's come up too. I think mostly because of that as well. Yeah, oh, I was no, gonna you, say the one where I'm like, "Oh, this is the one I play the most, and I like it the best." And you're like, "Yeah, well, that's the version that sucks the worst." So <laughs> I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> no, I didn't suck it. You know, like <laughs> yeah, like I, I would have said, I think, I think maybe, maybe when we started this podcast, I would have said the one I wouldn't touch is fourth. You know, because um, I remember that sort of less fondly at the time. Uh, but maybe now I, I think I would I would give fourth another shot before I gave third another shot three point five another shot. Jesus, that's crazy talk. I, I yeah, I, I definitely cannot relate to that. Like I I still have a certain kind of fondness in my heart for uh, three point five as manifested in Pathfinder. Like there have been a couple moments where I've felt that sort of weird twinge where I'm like, Oh, should I start collecting these old 3.5 books again and get like my old 3.5 collection back? And I have resisted it every single time. I have a very, I have a, I have a big pathfinder collection and it's fine. There you go. Yeah. Right. A- Adam, uh, Adam sink was, uh, was going to run a four E dark sun game. Mm-hmm. And that was the only reason I was willing to play is because it was dark sun. I wasn't going to play fourth edition with out the 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 you know the setting of dark sun and we never played but uh <laughs> I, I i read through the books and the books are actually you know the, what when I mean, you're talking about the fluff are pretty fun but when you're talking about like oh god now what kind of science uh it's just moves <laughs> moves without the fun <laughs> i think that there's the potential that in a few years um depending on how pbta um kind of shakes out right that the pbta uh experience may end up reading almost exactly like that because you can't sit down with the book and like read it like a novel right they're not mm-hmm. just innately fun to read books it's basically just 
lists of rules, you know, lists of s- stuff. Um, I think that's why Apocalypse work, World works so well, is because it is like kind of in world uh, jargon. Like it swears a lot and it talks very much like it's from the point of view of that world. So it's kind of steeped. It's, it's, yes, there are parts that are not, you know, you get into the lists of moves, but like the, the, the like in between bits are still kind of fun to read. And I think that's why that works. But anyway, I digress. But I mean, there, there, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, thing where you could just sit down and pick up old 90s Vampire the Masquerade books and just sit around reading them because you like to read about like, well, this is what the vampires in this city are doing. And this is what the vampires in another city are doing. I almost feel like there's an element you could do of that with even say like rifts books or AD&D second edition books I don't know if it'd be quite as pleasurable but um the current era of uh role-playing books where they are almost like devoid of inherent stories um Mm -hmm. and they're basically just trying to give you they're trying to sell you like a system that replicates an experience very kind of um precisely I don't think that they're going to make for very good future reading am I wrong debate I don't disagree with that. Um, I think that when you're looking at PBTA and some of the narrative gaming, it's they want you to come up with the narrative. And so they're not going to put it in the book for you to read because they're like, this is what you do. Now go use your imagination and come up with your own shit. Well, I think that's why uh, uh, Morkborg really sings uh, because Mm. with so with so few words in that book, they build kind of this world that is very intriguing to think about. It doesn't, they don't give you everything. They don't give you a lot. I mean, I just got some new stuff from the Kickstarter that I'll be reading, but like, uh, uh, it's, it's a lot, it's very few words, but it captures this feeling very, very well. So. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say with that one too, isn't, isn't the art also a factor sort of help you get in the mood there? Oh yeah. Like it, yes. it is like every page you could use as an album yeah. cover. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't own it, but I just remember looking at that and thinking, wow, that looks gorgeous. I mean, when you're using two types of foil <laughs> through the whole book, like it, you know that they got the high production values. Like it's just sort of a weird spot that we find ourselves in. Huh? I mean, um, like where, where are we kind of at in the kind of life cycle of role playing? Are, I, I, I've had this feeling kind of in my guts that things are about to change again. Uh, I feel kind of like, um, I feel almost like creativity kind of moves in cycles, kind of like how, you know, there was like a couple years where there were a lot of really great grunge albums coming out, but then mm-hmm. the grunge sound got kind of like watered down and changed and blended with some other stuff. And then um, <clears throat> while there were still grunge bands making albums, the whole the grunge thing was like over before the label was over, you know. Um, and I feel like we're in one of those weird moments with role playing too. Uh, I just have that kind of taste in my mouth, and I don't know if that's a bunch of confirmation bias or if I'm just uh seeing something that's not there. What do you guys see? I think like the Kickstarters are like, I feel like Kickstarters are down. I feel like there's not been something that's like super popped out of nowhere from that direction. I think you're right. I think it could be in we were in kind of one of those places where like we had like the Savage Worlds to Apocalypse World kind of transition. Like PBT it was Savage Worlds was the biggest thing in the indie 
you know, indie scene, right? It was the biggest thing. And then Apocalypse World came and like completely kind of took off as the thing you hear the most of D and D. But a lot of that was because D and D was kind of like waning at the time. Every time D and D starts to wane, we get a new flavor of, uh, of kind of the, other RPGs, the other 35 to -hmm. 50% of RPGs. So like in the late nineties, when, uh, uh, you know, TSR was falling on its face and then got bought by, uh, Hasbro, uh, it, we got kind of the savage worlds and, and, uh, you know, we still had this big boom in world of darkness. And then when we got to fourth edition, uh, then kind of that was kind of waxing or, you know, itself, we got like apocalypse world stuff. So I feel like when we get sixth edition, I'm kind of hoping for it to fall on its face. So we get more interesting <laughs> stuff, but like, I, I feel like Hasbro has kind of figured out how to keep that steady state. So we might not get sixth edition for another five years in which no, case, it's coming faster. are you, you think so? So, so I, I know that you know we generally don't talk about certain games on this uh, on this podcast, but seeing as how we're talking about D and D, I feel it's relevant. Um, they're starting to cross promote with Magic a lot more mm-hmm. harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a new Magic set coming out that's going to be D and D centric, right? They're doing a Magic set set in Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. uh, this calendar year. So, or not not not. I mean, in 2021, right? Um, so a whole lot of people are going to get introduced to uh, Dungeons and Dragons that way, probably that would not have been introduced otherwise. And uh, I would expect a push maybe at some point around then for a new edition, perhaps. Well, uh, do you think that they are um, trying to introduce magic players to D and D or D and D players to magic? Well, so I, I, I'm not sure, right? Because at the end of the day, they've always had a little bit of cross promotion, right? You've always been able to buy like, uh, or at least at least uh, see web versions of setting books for magic settings in D and D, right? Um, that's always been like a thing you've always you've been able to do. I think since Ravnica. What you mean, um, like fan made? What's that? Fan made? No, no. These were made by uh, made by Watsi. Watsi made a Ravnica book. Oh wait, wait. Yeah, you mean you, yeah, mean, yeah. you mean in fifth for fifth? Yeah, uh, as yeah, a setting for, book. Yeah, yeah. When you say always, I mean both D and D and Magic have really long histories now. So I'm sorry, I got tripped up on that. But yeah, they got yeah, yeah. that Ravnica book, and then did there's they do an, another one? Did they? Yeah, I think there's a Zendikar one, and I think yeah. there's like a Innistrad one. Um, I think they've been kind of like uh, doing them as they do Magic sets, kind of. Um, but this is sort of like in the reverse, right? Instead, they're now they're taking the D and D lore and bringing it into into magic and presumably they're going to have like characters that are important in forgotten realms as cards and all sorts of stuff. And they'll be telling some sort of story happening in the set. There will be some sort of story. So my guess is, is they're trying to introduce uh, Dungeons and Dragons to magic players. Hmm. You see, I heard that and I thought my first thought is they're trying to uh, uh, bring Dungeons and Dragons players over to magic because it's like, oh, I mean, this is just my take. Uh, like, say you're like super into D and D, and you're sitting at home, and you can't get enough fucking D and D, and then you hear the the company that makes D and D also is going to have a card game, so now you can play more D and D without actually playing D and D. You know that you know that kind of thinking where you're like, I just always want to be doing it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, that was my thought, 
Well, my first uh, first uh, clue in that this was happening is because um, Secret Lair, again, we're not talking about magic, but it's relevant. Um, no, no, go ahead. Because I, I play magic too, and there's a, there's a website called Secret Lair, and so what they do is they have these like 24-hour sets that you can buy or 48-hour sets that you can buy that are super limited edition. You can get in and get them, whatever. So they had a My Little Pony one, which I got because that's rad as fuck. And then they... They came out a couple months later with a, I believe it was a setting book for 5e that was also My Little Pony. And so I'm like, interesting, I wonder why they're doing that. And so that was kind of my first, and it might have not been related at all, but in my head, I was like, that kind of tickled something that they're they're doing a thing with that. But with Magic players, the ones that are really into it are very into the lore and the story that's happening. And so I could definitely see this as kind of like a, hey, if you were interested in the story that's happening with this card set go to this because it's in D and D, you know, so I could see it going that way quite a bit. Yeah. Like, I don't think it has to be one way or the other, right. It can no, definitely no, no. be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you're hundred percent right on that. I think um, they, they always do like a uh, free web fiction whenever mm-hmm. they're doing these sets for people who get really involved in, in the setting and what's going on with these characters they like. And, yeah. and you know, they try and make the characters cool cards that people want. So, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, obviously, with Forgotten Realms or what part of Forgotten Realms it's going to take place in, but we could easily see, like, a, a Drist card that people are going to really be into or, like, a <laughs> no. Elminster or, you know, who knows? I don't know. Fuck Elminster. Oh, they, Just throwing the know. shit out there. Are they going to have, like, little drows that are going to be, like, black cards? Probably. And, and, and like, a tribe? Is there going to be a, a drow tribe? Like a commander tribal deck for drow, maybe? Oh my god! Uh, well, oh it, I, I think we're at least we're well over a, at least a year before we're going to see a new edition because what, they're going to do the same thing they did with fifth, which is they're going to do a beta, D and D next, uh, and they're going to do a beta and they're going to sell a beta book and then they're going to do they're they going to do a beta book with fifth. Well, they did D and D next. There was an adventure. There was a. Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an adventure. There was an adventure. Right. So they'll do the they'll do that to do their research to find because that that's uh, and a lot of people said that they took a lot of stuff out from the very beginning that made you know like uh, fighters more interesting were at the beginning and then they kind of just watered them down to be just a fighter again. So like. I think that if they're going to do another edition, we're going to see a beta first, and it'll be six months to a year before release of the new edition. So, I mean, oh, go, go, ahead, ahead. Go, go, go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. Uh, the the timing on the set's going to be something like uh, it's the it's there's like three. They just had a set drop, right? And it's going to be like three of the normal sets later. So we're really talking somewhere around like you know summer or something. Uh, and when the set would going to be dropped, so that would still fit your timeline. That's true. Uh, yeah, th- that's when, when you say summer. All I can think is Gen Con, and like even though we're living in like fucking COVID times, like we have to imagine that long term marketing schedules and production schedules have been built around that kind of like like August is a time when there's a lot of shit happening. Now I guess fucking Watsy doesn't go to Gen Con, but um. I mean, there's just there's just no getting around the fact that that's when shit happens, and you're and 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 even if you're not going to do your release at Gen Con, you are stationing your release in proximity to Gen Con because it's just one of those. It's just that thing, you know. 
I would bet more on D&D Live than Gen Con. If I was betting on if they are going to tag something on it, it would be their fan, D- their own D&D convention would be the when I would bet. Uh, is, is that the one that they do in Burbank? Yes. When is that? Uh, I, I think it's in April. I think I would have to, I would have to go look, but hmm. uh, April sounds yeah. probably like a little too close, but that's still six months. Yeah, I guess I could see an announcement then. Yeah, totally an announcement. I can see an announcement and then like a uh, production schedule that kind of that, that again, if they did announce it in April, I could it, there would have to be a production schedule of at least a year because oh, because it's you're June. right there. It's June. Oh, it's June. I'm, I'm I'm an idiot. So that was that was June this year. I'm sure that was canceled, but or at least li- mm-hmm. online only. But uh, yeah, so that, that well, that would definitely put it in line with the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I do wonder. I mean, because I feel like I mean, do I, do any of us know how the books are selling? Do we know if they're doing all right? If we, I did not do any research for this. No. This is all yeah. just opinions. Um, <laughs> well, she's the one uh, telling me that they cut down a lot of their workforce. Well, they don't. They never had a big one. Is the thing. I mean, and this is all information that I've gotten like third hand from System Mastery. So it's like, if you guys want to like, you know, uh, ever li- listen to a fucking podcast that has like actual research and like talk from insiders, <laughs> you can listen to you can listen to System Mastery. They seem very like aware of what is going on inside of uh, uh, Watsi, and um, I don't know how they are, but they it seems that they are because. There's, I mean, here's the thing is even just from a very kind of like superficial, like largest rung of the tree kind of looking in perspective, there's like a lot of cloak and dagger shit about um, Watsi because of its relationship with Hasbro and because on some level they're in Seattle and that's like the money game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if, if somebody's going to come out of the RPG space swinging with like, you know, movies and video games and shit like that you're gonna look at fucking watsi and hasbro first and the fact that they've kind of had like a failure to launch with that kind of stuff shows when i'm looking at you right now white wolf like how difficult it is to get into those um those arenas you know if 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 a a fucking international toy maker can't do it then Mm -hmm. you know what hope does some like indie project have, you know? Yeah. Well, and uh, I tried, I was getting the, uh, whatever Tasha's cauldron of everything was the, right. was the, cause it, they're redoing races. So they're not so racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Oh, I, is that, is that going to be in there? That's going to be in there. I think it's already an article that was published on their website or whatever, but that's going to be when they're printing it. And I went into depot and asked Dave, I was like, Dave, can you get me the cool, the better cover uh, for it? The more art deco cover. And yeah. nor- normally if it's like hotly contested, you got to like put your name on the list and shit. But I didn't have to, I mean, maybe cause he knows who I am, but like I didn't have to put my name down. He's just like, yeah, we can do that. I, I feel, I feel like I've seen a lot of those art deco covers kind of sitting around. Yeah. Like uh, they, there was a minute there where they were like on the secondary market I think, uh, and then subsequent to that, I feel like they've sat around a lot. Like, I was seeing the Eberron ones 
um, just kind of just sitting on shelves. And I'm not going to lie. That was the first temptation I had had to buy a fifth book since, uh, since Curse of Strahd. I was very close to just picking up the, uh, especially with, 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 with that really beautiful, as you said, Art Deco cover. Um, the non-Art Deco cover on that book is a complete flub. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. It's just like, I don't know why you would print a book that's so ugly. Um, but but uh, they almost had me with that fucking Art Deco cover. And, you know, I do. I am a sucker for Eberron. Yeah, I think that I think like one of the things that kind of bugs me about fifth edition is kind of the art. Like I love, you know, them getting more diversity in the art, which is great. But the art is just not it's just not as inspired. I mean, like I will let me let me first preface this with the fact that I've discovered that fantasy is not my flavor. <laughs> my preferred <laughs> my preferred kink is not fantasy. It's <laughs> sci fi. So uh, but like I look at a lot of art, uh, fantasy art, because I look at a lot of RPGs, and uh, like D and D has just not done it for me. Done the art very well for a uh, well, probably since well, I'd say second, but I think there was a lot of cool stuff in some third and third edition books too. So I I felt like the third edition artistic take was super rad. I love it. I love Pathfinder book art. I am also left very cold by fifth edition because, and to me it has the, 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 the easy answer is that it's because it's all that fucking computer generated shit. That computer generated shit doesn't have any fucking tooth to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, absolutely right. There's a very, there's this, there's a kind of uncanny Valley to it where they can even sit there and they can, get their fancy brush strokes and they can use the color matching to create something that is very, um, that is very superficially similar to what you would see in a piece of nice fantasy painting, but it does not hold up under scrutiny. Unlike when you look at those like lavish, like, uh, nineties, late eighties, early nineties, just fantasy paintings where somebody got out a canvas and then they stood in front of that canvas and painted and painted and painted, um, and, uh, like, I know, you know, technology is a wonderful thing and I'm glad people are able to like get fucking, you know, work doing fantasy art and I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but, uh, that art is just never going to hold up in the same way because it doesn't have the heart and it doesn't have the human kind of investiture, the human kind of spirit in it the 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 that you get when you fucking paint a picture you know so that they long story short they need to start painting people paying people to paint pictures again hmm. well, at least Absolutely. covers at least covers like give me give me great covers again like <laughs> it's, that's make covers great again <laughs> yeah make covers great again because i i look at these cover i mean that's why i like the art deco covers because i think they look cool but they're not you know they're not inspire me in a fantasy direction they're just kind of like i like that artistic style so that's a style that can be made from like a you know in on a computer very well but sure you know like they're they're not you know give me give me great covers give me give me some you know at least the cover pay for good art uh uh, somebody to paint a good cover that's And I have, I just happened to have my 5e handbook next to me. And so I picked it up and was flipping through it and the cover sucks. I don't like the cover, but as I'm flipping through, there's, I mean, this beautiful, like elven woman 
with it looks watercolored to me so i'm like i don't i don't know some of the artwork in the actual book is really pretty though i don't know in my opinion well, i think it's what style you're going after like i think watercolor yeah. can be done kind of cool uh-huh. but like if you're trying to do oil paintings mm-hmm. it doesn't i mean like compared to a frazetta or even like a, yeah a, a, you know some of those old uh, the master the they had a whole workshop of just painters in the eighties. Yes, like, yep. TSR employed a legion of artists, mm-hmm. uh, and I was I was watching. I have the art and D and D book. I love that the looking at the the first th- two thirds of that book, and uh, I was watching a documentary about the artists, and I was like, wow, this is you know they had this amazing kind of like school of art that kind of developed together, and you really got this. But now you've got the disparate contractors which is you know how the modern world works but i think you can yeah you got the money to spring for uh you know you know yeah. <laughs> i mean they don't have I mean, like staff artists anymore or anything like that right. like like there's an interesting question here about economics and um like what it is exactly that we're buying and i mean i think that probably a lot of the old D books that we're kind of so kind of covetous of their the way that they looked the way that they felt were um made at the expense of people who were very talented artists but who were being like dramatically underpaid for their work right mm-hmm. and because because you know you start talking to rpg professionals and the first thing they want to start doing is like whinging about like how much it costs to produce this material and how hard it is for it to be profitable and um then you look at the fact that D&D is now like all hardcover books like I don't like like you know I know you can go on Amazon and get them for like 20 bucks or whatever the ones that are that have been in print for a while and are essentially just at the spot where they're just pure cream they're just printing money whenever you buy one mm-hmm. um but you know it used to be that you could walk into a hobby store and you could buy a role playing book for 10 bucks right and i understand this was in the glorious 90s and there's been like some like inflation and whatnot but um the fact that like role playing uh as a collector has become this kind of crippling uh uh hobby where it's like every time you're at the game store you're handing over like 35 50 65 100 dollars i mean i remember when like a 100 dollar collector's edition book was just like fall on the floor because it only happened once every few years for like one game. And now <laughs> I just see like hundred dollar books on Kickstarter all the time for like, and, 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 and do these books all need to be hardcover? Do we need to have, do we need to have hardcover full color, glossy pages on everything? Or, um, if, if we need to tone down our expectations for what, is profitable for the company can they raise the value of the art and lower the value of production and find a comfortable middle ground where like a there's better aesthetics and b people are still getting paid you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah but mm-hmm. it, i mean is that it, that's the reason i like the art is because it's inspiring me to make the you know the game that's what giving me ideas for the game so that's why i'm kind of fixating on it and i think that's why we all love it is and and tsr back in the day yes they definitely you know there was definitely some very talented artists that were not getting paid what they should have been get, getting paid but 
now that Watsy is this, you know, part of this billion dollar, you know, billions of dollar conglomerate that, you know, just, and you reuse that art. Like how many times do you see that same, you know, those same old D and D covers in all the ads, right? Those were your ads is, you know, you didn't have to pay for another piece of art for an ad or a picture. You just use that again. Like you amortize the cost of good art and bring, bring all the boys to the yard with your milkshakes. <laughs> and that's the thing too is because you know we're at this point where you know we've been doing the podcast for like five years so we know we know people who are in the industry and uh you know i was talking to a friend of mine and he was totally like um he's like god damn it you know you uh have a contract with these guys and they say well we're gonna use it for x and that's factored into the price and then the product comes out and they actually didn't use it for X. They used it for some other thing. And then uh, a few months down the line, you start seeing kind of like ancillary products come out with the image on it. And none of that was in the contract. And you're not getting paid for it at all. And he's like, he goes, uh, so you can either make a big stink about it, at which point you don't get another job mm-hmm. with them. Or you can basically just go ho hum. That's how it goes, and like and like and, and and suck it up, and you keep getting work. You know, and I mean that's just uh, that's 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 a raw deal, man. That's I mean that's that's fucking horrible. But that's almost like the state of the industry. You know? Yeah, I it mean, seems pretty scummy. It is very Dude, scummy, right? And I I talked to artists because I'm tr- I'm I'm working on some stuff for you know t-shirts and stuff for Game Fair and all sorts of other stuff. And I talk to artists and I'm like, you know, and I like to deal honestly. So, but I can see, certainly see how it would be easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to use this on a t-shirt. We're going to print a hundred of and see if they sell. And then I could use it for my advertising. I use it for all sorts of other stuff without, you know, probably no one complaining. But I I think, you know, there's the, (laughs) a lot of these artists are my friends too. So I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to anybody, but, you know, especially, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, good friends of mine like that that's just heartbreaking (laughs) yeah Yeah. i just i wonder if it's like the gaming industry has gotten to the point where it's uh starting to exploit its workers a little bit more you know like when the companies get big enough that's kind of what they do you know they try and figure out the best way to make money so i wonder if that has something to do with it i i mean honestly i don't think that like worker exploitation has ever not been in the um gaming industry uh it's definitely one of those things where it's like it's one of those places where there's this kind of um like man i i could go on it's definitely one of those places where there is this idea of well if you want to work here which is like well it's 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 fun time we make games and you want to spend all your time fucking working on games, right? You don't want to spend your time uh, fucking, you know, running the cash register. So so that means we can pay you less. And yeah. because and, and you're willing to take that. You're willing to immediately kind of like work for less, right? Mm-hmm. And um and that and that that's just kind of like I mean that's literally state of the industry. Um yeah. but where I kind of see role playing going and again, here's one of my big late stage capitalism takes is that as we see the consolidation of, um, I mean, this is all really just domino effect from the Marvel movies. Okay. Because 
Marvel Comics was like a weird niche industry. It was the very top of a weird niche industry that everybody associated with nerds. And they were like, oh, what? You can't turn comic book movies into movies because that's stupid. It doesn't ever work, right? And then the there were a couple of them that did okay. And then those Marvel guys just blew it out of the water with their like second-tier characters. They sold the rights, all their first-tier characters, and they blew it out of the water on their second-tier characters. And they started like literally just printing billions of dollars for themselves. And so now all these companies are looking around for IPs. And they're like, well, certainly there must be some other unwashed nerds out there who would be willing to trade all of their ducats for a chance to watch TV shows and go to movies for some other dumb thing we don't know about. And (laughs) it's just a matter of time before they completely invade the RPG space. (laughs) So how does this relate to workers, Brendan? Well, how this relates to workers is freelance writers are manufacturing IP in sweatshops right now, okay? Just like how they did in Marvel in the 1970s and 80s where they're sitting there and they're writing they're writing stuff, getting paid by the word, getting paid subsistence wages, but then the people who own that material are the publishing houses, right? Mm-hmm. And they will take that material and make a fucking Icewind Dale movie about it at some point. And they're going to hope that that Icewind Dale movie makes a billion dollars. But fucking, I doubt that R.A. Salvatore is going to get any fucking money for that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm pretty sure, like, all the rights to all that shit is pretty well sewn up with, um, inside of, inside of Hasbro somewhere. And so they'll all be sitting there lighting cigars with, like, $100 bills and the people who are today working in the trenches, writing story, writing meta plot, writing characters, like, I mean, granted, they probably won't use 99.9% of that stuff. But if you're the guy who comes up with a cool little fucking gnome character that people want to read about, just because you're just writing into a module, and then they decide to turn that into a fucking main character for a big movie, you're SOL, pal. You know, I mean, that's the mm-hmm. trade that's going on. And and speaking yeah. speaking of the future, like okay, we, we were talking about sixth edition. You know, we're, we I, I think we kind of went through D and D. What what's like a prediction for sixth edition? Like, what would you what would you like to see, or what what do you expect to see from a sixth edition of Dungeons and Dragons? I expect wow. full compatibility with Magic the Gathering in mm. some way or fashion. Full, well, I thought that was a joke. What do you mean by full compatibility? <laughs> like, like I just like I think that there's going to be a lot of crossover in in the lores. I think that it's going to start in the new set, and then we'll see that more. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah, sure, but I mean that that's easy because of the Planeswalker thing, right? It's Planeswalker. Sure, sure, but we could also even look at like I don't know, weird game crossover too. I don't know. It's it's a very weird thing that could easily easily uh, happen. Do you well, think they'll ever introduce cards into it? Because I know that there's some RPGs that use cards instead of dice or in addition to. Do you think they'll ever bring actual cards into it? I mean, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. One's yeah. a competitive game and one isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's those so. reference cards, right? There's those decks and decks of reference spells for every class that has spells, which is almost all of them now. Yeah. Right? So... I could see a D, you know, you having like these set pre-built decks that are like the classic spells 
that you could, you know, that you could then use as your reference cards. I could see that. That that's not mm-hmm. out, of the, out of this world. I guess when I say full compatibility, what I what I, what I imagine is like um, like some sort of story that's carried over between um, both vehicles and both mediums um, that just sort of combines everything together. And um, you know your your chance to play uh, in sort of the sandbox setting that would be the RPG, or your chance to play in uh, in, in the same characters that you mm-hmm. same type of characters you wanted to play in Magic. So I don't know. Uh, ultimate crossover crisis on intimate planes. Yep. <laughs> now your now your Nicol Bolas can uh, duke it out with <laughs> Elminster the Mage. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> Roll initiative and then just start playing magic for your combat. That'd be something. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but they could do. I mean, I, I, the the reference deck, sure. But but the actual magic magic game inside Dungeon Dragon, unless it's some weird like side game that they've had. They've done that in the past too. Like some of those dice games and stuff like that that are sort of in the world meant to be representative of something that is played in the world. Kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. I would. What was that? Was it was it called Dragon Dice? Yeah, I believe that's there what that was. There was Dragon Dice. There, there was also the old Spellfire uh, yep. TCG. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they tried their own hand at the TCG back in the day when TCGs were first starting out. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, when that was the hotness. I was just thinking of Gwent from The Witcher, where they exactly. had the quick game there. So something like that. I, I think, I think you're really onto something, Ben. Because, um, I mean, why not? Right? Like. Yeah. Uh, they, they do they still make novels for magic? Do they still do Magic the Gathering novels? So they don't release them as like novels, I think, unless they and they might release them in conglomerated form, but they do web novel series now where they'll release like uh chapters like every so week and uh during uh during a an event kind of. God, that's so weird. It is so weird how um Watsy just seems to always want to be on the front. It's gotta be because they're in Seattle. And they're up there by all those tech tech bros. They always want to be the first in the tech game, and they are never caught up with it, right? Like people still read books and shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. um, like they they still have fucking people crushing out those goddamn Warhammer novels. Those Warhammer novels are like huge business for fucking Games Workshop, and that's all just synergizing IP. You know, that shit all just goes, okay, well, all this shit goes into the video games, all this shit goes into the tabletop game. It's all a big cycle, a big churn of just of soap operatic ideas, just a big, a big unending story that just always just continues and continues and continues. And of course, Watsy would be like, oh, you don't, we don't want to publish books anymore. That's too fucking old. Go online and look at it. Look on a computer. It's like, does anybody go on there and read those? Am I out of the loop? I think that they're super popular. I'm, I'm. Uh, they're not for me, so I don't generally read them. But I think they are super popular. Can you, you download them to e-readers? I'm sure you probably could. Mm. Do they, are they monetized? Uh, I don't think they're behind a paywall, but you know they're monetized in the same way that websites can be monetized without being behind paywalls. I mean, because to me, it's like it's um, that's almost like uh, the classic uh, vampire blunder of let's take the product out of the store too early, and then people forget that the product ever existed. You know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know why they wouldn't want a huge uh, 
brick of Magic the Gathering books on a shelf at Barnes and Noble and why they wouldn't want a huge just scrolling and scrolling pages of, of ISBNs for Magic novels when you go on Amazon. I don't know why they wouldn't want that. I mean, I think they've been doing it for a long time now. I think that the that the last one that might have... I mean, I could be wrong because I didn't follow them completely, but I think that the last one that had, uh, had uh, you know, a full set of books was might have been the original Ravnica, which is like, I want to say 2005-ish, 2006-ish. A billion years ago. Yeah, and they've been, uh, maybe it's even 2007, but but they've been doing, you know, web novels, I think, since then, uh, telling the story of whatever, you know, however they want to tell it through whatever planeswalkers and, or denizens of whatever plane. So I, w- I wonder if they pushed all the D&D novels online too, or do they still print those? That was kind of my question. Is like that yeah. used to be a huge thing. Like all the, oh yeah, all those D and D novels back in the eighties and nineties, and now you'd figure that would be a big like ebooks. Like just sell me my D and D ebook, like so I can keep up with my dritz. That that's another factoid I heard on uh, System Mastery that like essentially in the eighties when fucking fantasy. Uh, the fantasy kind of pot boiler industry had taken a shit like in the kind of paperback like pulps were just gone right that uh, TSR basically just owned that industry and they kept that genre alive by publishing just scads and scads of TSR novels which I mean we've all interacted with those and we all have those like memories those tearful memories of like our favorite TSR novels and shit and I just I mean like obviously fantasy writing has changed a lot in the last 30 years, but I just, I mean, and maybe I'm old, but I'm just like, I don't know why you'd ever want to turn your back on that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, when you talk about like fantasy worlds built on the backs of, of, of the writers, I mean, the one that comes to mind right off the bat is of course, to me is Dragonlance built on the backs of Weiss and Hickman or whatever years ago. Um, but I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they had gotten rid of the physical books. I think that um, that just seems to be the way that that company is going. Well, we're we're running over it already. I can tell by my clock. And so Richard wanted some some hot takes on the future of six. I'm just going to come in real fast with mine, and then we can hit we can hit Ashley and RBK, and then we'll get out. Uh, so. Very recently, I bought a PlayStation 4, which people might think is kind of weird because I'm always like pish-poshing video games. I don't know. Maybe it's just I have more time on my hands and I just want to get out of my head a little bit, but I started playing video games. Anyway, my girlfriend, right, I'm sitting in the living room and she sits down and she puts on Elder Scrolls Online. And I've never <laughs> had any interest in playing an MMO or really anything like that, right? But I'm sitting there and I'm watching her go through the character creation uh, system to make her Elder Scrolls online character. And immediately, the last 15 years of role-playing just clicked into place, and I understood everything. I understood, like, all these weird games that I've interacted with, and I've been boggled, and I've been like, why would you put this in a game? This seems, like, so silly and stupid, and I hate it. And then, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, it's because they think you played this game, and they want to give you something like this. So my my prediction is uh, in Hasbro slash Watsy's way, they're going to try and push more digital. They're going to p- try and put D&D more online, and there will be an incredibly granular character builder because, holy shit, the fucking 
just sitting there going and being like, well, what fucking face tattoo do I want? What fucking hat am I going to put with my face tattoo? What earrings am I going to put with my hat and my face tattoo? Like, that shit's compelling as fuck. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Sitting there clicking through all the options, that shit's compelling as fuck. I can totally see them trying to be like, oh, not only are you going to have a printable character sheet at the end of this, but you're also going to have a, like, online computer animated simulacra of what exactly your character looks like rendered for you to behold. Um, cause I think people will go bonkers for that shit. Um, Ashley. Yeah, I could totally see that as well because with so much of gaming going online and we don't know when this is going to end, it's like with your roll 20, instead of having your little token, you could have your like fucking dude running around and stuff. And that'd be pretty rad. Um, so I could see that. I like Ben's idea of the crossing over between, the lore anyway of magic and D&D but my original thought had been that it was going to go more towards narrative because like PBTA and the Kickstarters I've seen have all been more narrative based type games and so I could see them kind of pushing more into that direction maybe because that seems to be what people want yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense makes sense uh RBK this was your question and now it is reflected back on you isn't that a magic card reflection Uh, so i i i want to play off of the the more digital i think that they will launch a roll 20 competitor that it has everything built in for sixth edition and Mm -hmm. it will have that complicated uh character creation thing built into it and i mean they've been trying to make magic all digital for a while so I could kind of see them maybe making like the their whatever Watsy twenty uh <laughs> uh primary and make the book secondary, like you were saying, all digital stuff. And in this next edition, I think that we will have hopefully this is my hope, my wish, is they they've definitely seen some of the stuff we all always talk about the races and alignments i think they will hopefully finally overhaul alignments and maybe pitch that aside and have a new system for that maybe the more narrative thing like ashley was saying like uh, dramatic polls like they'll just go steal drama mm-hmm. system or something like that um but also that you know they've got the less racist races in the new book i'm assuming they'll take that a step further so you can have your your weird fox creature you can play uh, that's legit and not just homebrew. So mm-hmm. <laughs> bring in Kitsunated to 6E. Right. So. Or what, what it, it will be like a list of like, these are all the ideas for races. You can make your own. Like oh, it, a, a, mm, like a race mm-hmm. builder, right? A, a, a culture, a culture builder. And then you can, you can build a culture and then you can look like however you want. So, mm-hmm. but these mm-hmm. are the traditional ones. Wink, wink. I mean, all the all the traditional like Dungeon and Dragon races basically cross over into Magic already anyway. So, mm-hmm. should be pretty easy. Well, I I would just my hope for the whole D and D plus Magic is maybe they make a new world that isn't fucking forgotten Forgotten Realms. <laughs> that it, I mean, I give me any of the other like magic world ravnica whatever doesn't matter as a base world like just they've got so many that they can just expand into if they want yeah. to right put, put, put mean, forgotten realms on the shelf 
let it break the shelf, break the next shelf below it, and go right <laughs> into the basement and forget about it. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I wish they'd put out an Alcadim book first. I really need an Alcadim book. If, if if they could release me an Alcadim book before they do that, a, a, a legit like written by uh, you know people that were of the culture that's based on absolutely one hundred percent what yes. Alcadim. Um, that 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 having been said, um, I think that if they tried to come out with like a new plane, and they were like, "Look, guys, it's a new plane. It's a plane you never seen in Magic, and you never seen it in D anD D, but it's gonna be both games are gonna be focused towards this." Now, people would be all like, "Nope, that smacks of inauthenticity. That's not what we want. Mm-hmm. We want the fucking legit shit." Um, and so I think that if you do see this big merge merging of the two properties. It will be Forgotten Realms. It will absolutely, it will be basically exactly what Ben was saying, where it will be like, what are our most fucking famous, our most famous shit? Put them all in a blender. Literally fucking Elminster hanging out with Nicobolus. Fucking, uh, like. Yeah, uh, Jason Drizzard. Buddy yeah, cop yeah, duo. Jace, Jace, <laughs> Jace, bro. Yeah. Planescape like, is even, default. I, I don't even fucking play magic. I know what this is. You know what I'm saying? Like they are gonna, they are gonna ride that prize pony all the way to the bank if for they sure. do that. If they yeah. do that. All right, guys. Well, that's it for episode 100. Thank you, thank you to all the listeners for fucking listening to 100 fucking episodes of Full Metal RPG, the uh, podcast you hate to love and love to hate. Uh, we couldn't, we could not have done it without you. We would not have done it without you. The fact that you keep listening every couple weeks for five fucking years, uh, really gives us kind of like a reason to, uh, you know, keep doing this and a reason to live. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, to those of you who have listened to every episode, thank you so much for the time that you've invested. And to those of you who remembered like fucking day one, damn, uh, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you very much. And uh, we hope that you keep listening. We hope we hope that it's been um, as fun for you as it's been for us. All right. Well, then, thank you very much, very much, everybody. Have a good night.